never felt at home. In much of his life, he felt like he had not arrived at that place he needed to be, and it started well at his birth. So we're going to pick up uh, in probably what you might call the third part of his story today on a night in which he wrestles God in the wilderness. This is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. That night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask me? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So who is Jacob? Well, at least in this point of the story, Jacob has not been very easy to like. Now, if you are a fan of the Marvel Universe, as my family is, Jacob is the Bible's version of Loki. <laughs> Jacob is a trickster. His name means usurper and cheater, and he plays the trickster time and again throughout most of his life, and in order to get what he most wanted. Now, the authors of the book of Genesis, they mean to let us know that he is not to be trusted. Even his birth story shows him to be a, a heel grabber, which his name means. And they give him the perfect name to express his nature. However, this story is with us because it shows us that God sees something in Jacob that perhaps he and others have not readily seen in him. Up until now, where we enter the story today, Jacob's life has been told in two parts. In the first part of this, well, he grows up in a rather dysfunctional family. They had some strange dynamics. Born a twin, but still the second born, meant that he was not afforded the same rights as his first brother, Esau. And the two brothers grow up. Isaac will favor Esau, perhaps and probably because he's the eldest. And Rebekah, his mother, will favor Jacob. Now, Rebekah and Jacob, they did not accept the second class status and they built the hierarchy of things. So they worked together to develop a plan to take both the inheritance and the blessing of the older brother Esau. Over a pot of stew at a weak moment when Esau is hungry, Jacob tricks him out of his birthright. And then he dresses up and pretends to be his brother Esau. Jacob tricks his father Isaac, who can't see him very well, and he tricks him into giving him Esau's blessing. 
All this, you might imagine, complicates an already challenging family dynamic. And as we might assume, Jacob must flee Esau's anger. So a second chapter in, in Jacob's life begins, and he finds home with Rebekah's brother Laban. And this begins the second part, and he continues to be his trickster self, but he learns that he takes after his mom's family because her brother Laban is just as crafty as Jacob. Eventually, Jacob gets the best of Laban. He's find himself that he's about to burn yet one more bridge, but he leaves, taking with him a new family, much of Laban's livestock and fortune, and yes, another bridge has been burned. He gathered all that he has cheated Laban out of, he heads out, but where does the two-timing scoundrel go when he's burned down all bridges? Well, he feels his only option is to try and rebuild the bridge he burned back home again. And he knew this would be a risky move. The last time he saw Esau, things were pretty bad between them. He hears Esau has an army of 400 people heading his way, and that can't be good. So he sends gifts ahead, generous gifts, to try to smooth things over and to manipulate the situation as he always did. And he divides his family and his belongings into different groups and sends them across the river in two different places. Or, and he stays behind there on his brother's land and he is on the other side of the river. That way, maybe if he's attacked, then well, maybe he won't get all of his fortune. And it's worth noting that Jacob has put them out ahead of him between his brother and him. Like I said, he's not always easy to like. He's done all he can do now. And that's where we enter today's story. He settles in for what was going to be a restless night of worry and wondering what the next day was going to be. But then something unexpected happened. Someone comes out of the darkness of the night and starts wrestling with him. I can only imagine the rush of adrenaline he felt at this on top of an already anxious moment. Maybe he thought that it was Esau or, or one of Esau's soldiers coming to, in the darkness to attack him. Strategically, that made sense, right? Take care of Jacob and then take all his possessions. And as usual, Jacob is not going to go quietly into the night. The wrestling match lasts all night long, and it looks as if Jacob might prevail. And why would we think otherwise? Jacob, the trickster, small in stature, second born, liked by few, He's always found a way to get what he wants. And like him or not, he is a survivor. Now we understand, don't we, what it means to wrestle with things in life that keep us up at night. We wrestle with pandemics and hard choices every day. Families wrestle with strife with those we love. People choose to speak out and to wrestle to be heard. Growing divisions are created from within and without in our nation and the world. We continue to struggle away racism. We have a fair share of those in our world who will do anything they can to get it over the other. And some of the struggles we fight are just and some of them are best left aside. But we can all agree that the struggle is real, right? The struggle is real. And deep down, we all know that Esau has every right to be upset at Jacob for cheating him. Deep down, we might even feel a little satisfaction that someone seems to be trying to put Jacob in his place this night. Deep down, we might even feel satisfied that he's terrified 
at the potential of what could happen the next day. But if we pause for a moment, we might find that we all have a bit of Jacob in us. Right? No, we may not all be striving to steal inheritances or take away our siblings' blessing. No, we might. But there are times when we strive for things that leave us tired and unsatisfied. And perhaps we've even in some ways been broken down a time or two in life. I don't know about you, but I know what that's like to be broken down, tired from the struggle. And if you have, if you feel like you might soon break down because you're wrestling for something, then this story might be for you today. While I am tempted to judge Jacob or decide if Jacob is a hero or a zero, a success or a failure, God is busy seeing something else. God was busy seeing that Jacob is not only redeemable, but there's something that convinces God that Jacob could represent Israel by name and by character. One who's willing to strive with God. The word wrestle in the Hebrew, is, it's a really old word and it's not often used in any ancient text. It's only in the Bible once. There's another old word we have today, it's a jabak. It's the name of the river where this wrestling match takes place and it too means wrestling as I understand so what we have here is a wrestling match on the shores of the wrestling river between the trickster called the one who wrestles with God and we wonder if he's going to live to see the day the next day now eventually his adversary sees that Jacob is not about to give up but has had just about enough maybe his adversary had been holding back all night, and, but now's the time to end it. So he makes a move to end this wrestling match, and he, he breaks Jacob's hip. I don't know about you all. If you've ever had anything dislocated, that hurts a lot. But Jacob refuses still, even here, to let go. This guy is relentless. In all this pain, after fighting all night long, he says, I am not going to give up until you bless me. Now this immediately reminded me of another time he did this with his own father, Isaac. So we see here, this is what Jacob's been striving for his whole life, a blessing from God. He had seen it and, and, and looked for it in perhaps ways that are unsatisfying, but this is it. He's seeking God's blessing. But this time, as though, and yet he, is not, he has yet to discover this, this time he's encountered the right one though. He's encountered the one who can actually give him the blessing he's fought his whole life for. And I have sometimes wondered, did he know this was God yet or did he think this was Esau? Because really, he wanted his brother's blessing. That's what he had come for. Either way, deep down, we all know that at times we seek God's blessing in the right and in the wrong ways. And the right persons are the right things or the wrong. And still holding on to God. Jacob asked the adversary his name. And the reply is, why do you ask my name? Now this is a strange question. In Judges, there's a similar passage. And the angels come to Samson's parents. Who are finally to give birth to a child. And they ask their messenger's name. And they get the same answer. But there the angel says, well, it's too wonderful for me to tell you who this is. And so it was the same with Jacob, perhaps. He can only say, I've seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. 
just like Jacob, when anyone encounters God in the darkness, the darkness of uncertainty or doubt or grief or mistakes or fatigues or the struggles we know, we can find our blessing as Jacob does. And just like Jacob, when we encounter things that are human and holy that leave us walking along with a limp, literal or figurative, sometimes walking is a miracle in itself, isn't it? Maybe you've known folks like this in your own life who can endure no matter what. No, Jacob is not an example of piety or devotion, but he is without a doubt an example of enduring faith. Think with me for a minute. Jacob was born second. He knew he'd spend the rest of his life something of a subject to his brother Esau, kept from equal inheritance, subservient in his culture, and it's no wonder his mom felt a need to favor him because she understood that very well her own self in her own day. Sure, cheating and tricking people to get what he wanted, less than respectable, but at some point we have to ask ourselves, what choice did he have as a secondborn? His name will change, and God will name him Israel, the same name God gives all God's children of Israel in that day. This secondborn trickster, a master manipulator, becomes the equal inheritor of God's goodness. And Jesus will come saying the same thing, right? Jesus comes saying that I will lower mountains and raise valleys. I will bring down the mighty and I will lift up the lowly. He came for this church, didn't he? Doesn't Jacob represent that exactly? Lift it up. Let's romanticize this story a bit. How would it have been told? Imagine yourself as an ancient Bedouin, traveling through this very land and stopping the night in your travels next to the river. And once you're settled in and after dinner has been eaten, you're around the campfire and someone begins to tell a story. That's how Jacob's story was told first, you know. And the story begins by recognizing much of what I said today and sharing his story. And here at the edge of the wrestling river, everyone hears his story once again because they're in that place that he named the face of God. And in the telling of this story, the storyteller says, Now, the point of this story, my children, is that even if the world cannot see how wonderful you are, God does. God does. And don't think that God can only favor the powerful, the firstborn, the privileged, and the wealthy. Even if we must limp through this life sometimes, friends, we must have faith and endure. And even when we are told that we are second, weak, second class, are poor, don't forget Jacob. Jacob is our hero because he refused to accept that God loved him less than Esau. And God finally shows him he is right. And he no longer had to wrestle for God's blessing. Many years later, Someone named Jesus Christ was set around a table for his last meal, and he sat with former tax collectors and zealots with a penchant towards violence and hardworking fishermen and people not considered to be the most religious or pious. Yet Jesus prepared them to give birth to the church after he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And after that sacred meal took place, he took off his robe, tied it around his waist, and said, I'm going to wash your feet. 
And as he washed their feet, he said, if you want the world to see the love of God, do this to one another. Today, the Lord's table is at the center of our place. And we are in the presence of each other. And we are here with every saint since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And at this table, we are reminded what faithful endurance looks like. Jacob's story, Jesus' story, our story, we all have echoes of the same story. Echoes of blessing, of struggle, of redemption, of forgiveness, of endurance. And we all know what it means because of this sacred and holy meal, what it means to find a real blessing and what can be a harsh world. So if it feels like you have struggled to find God's blessing, and if it feels like you keep coming up short, and if you have something that you're looking for and things or peoples that may leave you empty, know that God wants nothing less than to bless you. Keep up the struggle. If you have been told that you're second class or second in line, because your gender, your status, your race, your birthplace, you are a child of God. You are worthy in the eyes of God, second to no one but always servants of one another. The struggle to endure is worth it. Church, the world is full of people who feel this way. Second class and less than. And we have been called to tell them the good news. And what we've been able to share with them and we are called to share with them is what we know. That we are not second to one, to no one. We are first with God, servants of one another. Do you know anyone for whom this message might give hope today? If you do, tell them the story of Jacob. Tell them his story of his faithful endurance. Let them know that God's blessing awaits. Thanks be to God. Amen.